I've got a little mouth in the background. <laughs> Hello. Forgiveness is one thing, but then what do we do after we forgive is, is another thing. And uh, for some of us, it feels like our lives are a bit like a snakes and ladders board game. That we go through life and we, we go through life and we take one step and uh, our problem comes up. Or someone sends you a message, or, or, or. And it feels like we're slipping down that slide again and we're back to square one. Some of us, we've, we've, we've forgiven the people. We've gone through forgiveness. We've had prayer for it. And then a week, a week later, it feels like nothing's changed. Or we've talked about our problems with our friends. And we've tried to give it over to God. And we feel like it's, it's better. But then we, it, we just slip back down the slide. And, we think, and then we think, what do we, have, I, have I just got to cope with this? Have I just got to live with this? And we might go for months or years, or for some of us, a whole lifetime just carrying the effects of, uh, of the past. 
And I believe that when we forgive, we, we forgive ourselves, we also need to think about letting go. And so we take this stern, we take one step of forgiveness, but then we need to take another step of letting go. And it, I think it's those two things. We, we take one step and then we take the next step. And for some of us, we haven't... I, I want to propose that some of the reasons why we haven't fully got healed or we, we, haven't, we feel like we're slipping back down to square one is that we've done one step, but we haven't let go. We haven't let go of some, some of the things. And uh, so that's what I want to talk about today. And specifically... And specifically about shame... So, um, today comes with a bit of a health warning. Uh, I've, I've practiced this talk sort of five or six times, and every time I've cried. So, um, just bear with me. Um, bear with me, please, as I try and keep composed. But I'm not going to put up anymore. And my prayer is, as I've, got to know, as I've got to know you, so Viv and I, we've done some training, we've been all kind of church-planted out, and one of the things that we didn't really not think about is the, just the tremendous love that we feel for so many of you and having talked to you and prayed with you and got to know you, it's like God has given you to us as a gift and so our, our kind of we feel so much and so I carry these connect cards around with me and so some of us have written down prayers some of us have written prayers and some of us have written stories and so sometimes I'll just have them in my back pocket and I'll just pick them up and I'm, oh, John, oh, bless John, I love John so much, he's amazing, and just like God, the way that God has brought us here, and um, the first time he came, we both cried, kind of both cried, and, uh, and I love this man, we don't really know each other, we've had a couple of meals, a meal, and we've got to know each other, but the love that God has placed in me for, for John, and all you guys, is, uh, is amazing, and so uh, my prayer is, and my hope is, as we take each step on the way, we'll get rid of the, the junk and the crap that we carry. And particularly the shame and the guilt and the regrets and the disappointments that we carry. Because it's not, not going to help you uh, in your life to carry that stuff. And so uh, it comes with a bit of a health warning. I felt God say, just to, lo to love you where it hurts. A couple of days ago, I felt God say, just... Love these guys where it hurts. Because for some of us, we're carrying around the road. And I hope you hear my heart that just we love you. And if I, if the way I feel about lots of you, I just think flipping out God. God wants to love the hurt out of you. And so that's my prayer today. So let's pray. Jesus, I, I give you these words. I give you them as an offering. I give you what you, what I think you've spoken to me about. And I give it back to you. I ask that you would bless these words. But I ask that they would go like deep into, into the marrow and into the soul of, of some of us. And they would be transformative for many of us. And your spirit that would be, be working here today uh, would be released in Jesus' name. So... So I just want to propose is, is that we didn't apply forgiveness correctly. When we forgave that person, or even for us, so we're going to think about ourselves. When we thought about forgiving ourselves, 
some of the reasons why we haven't been able to successfully journey and manage our adventure is uh, because we haven't properly applied forgiveness that well. So we've applied the one step of forgiveness, but we haven't applied the, the next step, which is let, letting go, letting go. So we're going to look at our right, our right leg today. Uh, when Jesus was on the cross, he says something which I think is pretty amazing. And he says, Father, why have you forsaken me? If you've ever thought about that. Father, why have you forsaken me? I think it's a pretty bold statement for the Son of God to, to say, considering he, he's, known, he's known God, and he's been part of God. And the Bible, and the Gospel, it talks about he set his face like flint before he went on the cross. And the disciples didn't really get what he was talking about. But what, what does this mean? But Jesus had this focus. I know I'm going to go on the cross. I know that this is the path that God has led me. So why is he there? He's hung up on the cross. He says, Father, why have you forsaken me? It wasn't like he was just set up in some sort of dodgy drug deal and God had double-crossed him and he's up the tree and up on the cross and he's like, hang on, what's, what's happened now? Where are you? What's happened to you? Um, why would Jesus say, Father, why have you forsaken me? And I... I, I believe, and this is what we believe as followers of Jesus, that because for the first time he felt as though he felt what sin and separation from God feels like. He felt what the sin that causes that separation actually feels like. And we believe that at that moment when Jesus hung up on that cross, that he took the world's sin and the world's shame upon himself. He took you and I, so just looking at the room there, every single one of us, our past, our present, and our future sin, he took with him on the cross. He took all of ISIS's sin. He took of all, all the murderers, all the people that, um, when I was in prison, I would meet murderers and drug dealers and uh, working. people who were Working in prison. Sorry, when I was working in prison. <laughs> I was when I was working in prison. I came out every night. I came out every night. Um, I was in prison for about 10 years. And, um, yeah, but I would meet all kinds of people. And I was thinking, you know, in certain ones of prison, there's about 13 or 1,400 prisoners in there. In Brixton prison, there's about 1,000 prisoners. Think about this room. Everyone's sin. Jesus took on his shoulders everyone's sin, past, present, future. And he had that thing that separates uh, him from God on himself. So when he's saying, Father, why have you forsaken me? He's got all of our crap on himself, all of our shame, all of the things that we've done wrong. Every single thing that someone's done wrong to you, all of the words that people have said to you, all of the, the, maybe the abuse that some of us have suffered, whether it's physical, emotional, or mental, all of that he's taken upon himself in that moment. And he's suddenly feeling, Father, why have you forsaken me? And another way of saying, I was thinking of another way of saying what was going on with Jesus is, um, I've never felt this feeling before God. I'm on, I've never felt what this is like, and I hate it. I'm in so much pain. I hate feeling this, God. And in Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 27, verse 34, 
It says says something also quite interesting. It says that he was given some wine, vinegar, mixed with gall. But after tasting it, he refused to drink it. I don't know if anyone knows what gall is. G-A-I-L. Gall. Anyone know what gall is? Yeah. It's a type of poison. Type of poison. It's actually a painkiller. So, so the soldiers, they were looking at Jesus, and they might have seen, they might have been with Jesus during his, when he was whipped, he was stripped, he was beaten physically and emotionally. These soldiers might have been there, they might have seen it. And so he was whipped, his back was, it talks about his back was shredded because of all the whips. And then he was given this cross to carry up the hill. And so these soldiers might have seen, seen Jesus go through that. And there he is, he's hung on the cross, He's got the nails through his wrist and through his ankles to kind of keep him there. And the soldiers might have felt sorry for him. In that one moment, they might have felt a bit of compassion. And they thought, well, let's give him a painkiller. Let's give him something to kind of ease his pain. You know, he's carried the cross. It's probably got splinters and across his back. The way that he's been beaten and whipped, he's carrying that. He's carrying that. And so the soldiers, they think, oh, let's, let's give him a painkiller. But as soon as, what it then describes, as soon as Jesus realised it was a painkiller, what does he do? He spits it out. He spits it out. No thank you. No thank you. Why did you, hold? give me everything. Give, you know, morphine. I'll just take it all. You know, any kind of pain. I remember when Viv was uh, giving birth to Abby. Um, She, I was by her side and Viv was in a lot of pain. She took, I think it was Sam. Was it Sam? Yeah. I was it Sam? I'd had the drugs for Abby. You had the drugs for Abby. And so Viv, she would, I'd have to, she would stay with me. Uh, I'd stay with her. But she gripped, she gripped my hand in a certain position. And she had quite long nails as well. And so she gripped, she gripped my hand and in a certain place. And after about 10 or 15 minutes, I was... Um, and I tried to move it. I was like, you, you know, just grab this, this bit. And, but Viv had to dig in to a certain... I think I've still got the scar. And she would dig her nails in. And I'd be like, um, I kind of hurt. And uh, I don't know if she swore at me. She had to kind of dig in there. And I was, I, I, I was asking that. When the doctor came in, can I have some? <laughs> <laughs> Survivor program. Um, but Jesus, when he, when he tasted that gall as a painkiller, he spit it out, he spat it out. And because um, uh, I, I think he, he wanted to go through the pain. I think he wanted to, to feel that sin and that shame so that you and I didn't have to feel it. I believe the reason why he spat out the painkiller is because he wanted to go through the pain so that you, you don't have to go through the pain. He wanted to go through the pain of being separated from God so that you didn't have to be separated from God. He wanted to go through shame so that you didn't have to carry that shame. So everything that he whipped on, everything that was whipped on his back was so that you didn't have to carry stuff on your back. And our prayer, and this is the prayer of everyone, uh, whenever they encounter Jesus for the first time, and many of us here, we've experienced that encounter, 
I believe within a heartbeat, and I'm going to say five minutes, within a heartbeat in five minutes, there's power to bring extraordinary transformation. And what we believe as followers of Jesus, that within five minutes, or within a click of a finger in five minutes, the power to transform, the power of the, to be forgiven and free and healed is, is available. We, we believe that, don't we? Um, how many of you know we're not quite there yet? <laughs> Just me. Um, but here's the truth. Jesus got what I deserved so that I could get what he deserved. Jesus got what I deserved. I deserved to carry, you know, all the stuff I've done before I met Jesus and after I met Jesus. All the stuff that I've done. Jesus didn't deserve that. But he, he went through what I deserved so that I could get what he deserved. Now, Jesus didn't, didn't go through a numbing process. Um, I believe that he wanted to show us this beautiful formula for actually working and forgiving the world and actually forgiving ourselves. He's shown us a beautiful formula that we forgive and then we let go. We forgive because Jesus has forgiven us. And then we let go of shame and guilt because Jesus has taken it already. Uh, and so this is a beautiful formula. You don't have to live with re guilt, regret or shame anymore. And I've seen too many people, too many people have been stuck with memories from the past that they can't get over. Either, either they've been hurt, you've been hurt, or have this resentment, that, or you've hurt someone else, and you carry this guilt with you. Or someone, what, what's crazy, and what we've all gone through, someone's hurt you, you've forgiven them, but you still carry guilt and shame. I don't know if anyone's done, like, they've hurt you, and you carry the guilt and shame because they've hurt you. I don't know if anyone's held that as well. Uh, what, I want to do, what I want to do now is give you five examples. Just to kind of, I want to love the hurt out of you. If you carry difficult feelings like unforgiveness or disappointment, here are five traits that I've, I've come up with. Uh, I hope my drawing's okay. Uh, that I've come up with so, to help you see what you do if you carry these difficult feelings. So, uh, we're going to start top left. Acting out. Uh, a classic way, if you're carrying feelings on the inside, difficult feelings on the inside, is to lash out, is to act out. So, it might be in your voice or in your language, but you just act out. You act out. You, whoever's around you hears. So, it's almost like a bit of a rhino. They, they come charging in, crashing in like a bull in a china shop. Do you do that with some of your difficult feelings? Okay, the next one, down on the bottom right. Do you dump it on others? Do you dump those difficult feelings that you've got on other people? So, you're in this snakes and ladders board game and suddenly you feel you're sliding down. Is one of your first reactions to, to dump that feeling on other people who, are, who haven't even expected it. Uh, it might be that you've sent them something or you tell them something. You just dump, dump all of your stuff on them. Do you do that? Do you do that? Again, these aren't good things to do. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I'm hoping something happens today. Or, you know, in the middle, do you bottle up those feelings? 
Do they just kind of, do you just keep them within? They just stir around within. No one else really knows, but you just bottle it up, bottle it up. How many people know if you shake a bottle really hard and open the lid, what's going to happen? It'll just explode. Uh, just bottle it up, bottle it up, bottle it up. Okay, the top right. So this is what I do. I often suppress. I'll try to ignore those kind of difficult feelings. So there's a picture of this guy in a suitcase. He's kind of shoving it in. Uh, or the uh, picture of like just sweeping it under the carpet. Igno trying to ignore it. Um, I'm going to be very, very... Make some sweeping generalisation. Lots of guys, we do this. Where we just forget. You know, we try to forget about our problems. And <laughs> let's ignore it. <laughs> Cut it down and um, try and suppress it. But every now and then, you can see that it just pokes out. Every now and then, it kind of creeps out. Or do you last one? Just withdraw. Don't let anyone in. So there's this picture here. This, this, this person just... Everything's internal. And I just want to withdraw, be on my own. Uh, I want to just hear the, the lies in my head. Just, I don't want anyone else to know. So, just have a look there. Uh, if I was doing a group, I'd get you all to tell each other, but I'm not going to do that. Um, what do you do? Can you identify something that you do there? With some difficult feelings? What do you do when you don't forgive? What do you do with some of those difficult feelings? God doesn't want us to carry that heavy baggage because he's carried it already. He wants you to be free. Uh, and the, one of the ways, one of the ways to walk out in freedom, one of the ways to take that step is use scripture, use the Bible, to meditate on the Bible, use the promises of God. And again, psychologists, therapists, they all know the power of positive talk. They all know the power of positive language. And uh, we want to have uh, not just positive talk, but God talk. Using scripture to speak over ourselves or to pray over ourselves. Use the promises of God. And I, I believe God's word cleans out the dirt. Uh, sorry, cleanses the dirt, cleans up my mind and washes my body. It's, it gets all the dirt, the junk, the grime, the grip, the shame and the sin out of your life. In Ephesians 5, 20, 26, it says, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to be holy, cleansing her by washing the water through the word, through the scripture. So God's promises here is that he'll forgive your sin. Have you asked him to forgive you? When was the last time you asked him to forgive you? And also, just have a think about this. How would your life change if, um, if you accepted God's grace and forgiveness? And let go? How would your life change if you let go of your regret? How would your life change if you let go of your shame from the past? How would your life change if you let go of some of the disappointments, some of the cock-ups that you've done, some of the things that you've done wrong? What would your life look like if you... Let me say it another way. How would your mind look like what would you say in your mind to yourself if you let go of that? 
Um, about five years ago, God, God gave me a dream of, of a talk like this. And in it, he showed me this, this film that we're going to watch from, from the mission. And it's about... Um, and, uh, the, mission, uh, the film's called The Mission. It's a really old film, before most of you were born. And um, it's, it's about... Scene, we're going to watch a scene in the film about the establishment of a Christian mi mission in South America uh, back in the 19th century. And in this scene, you'll see a former mercenary soldier played by Robert De Niro. Uh, and what he's done in the, in the, in the film so far, he's killed his own brother. Uh, he's, he's, he's a mercenary, so he's, he's done lots and lots of bad things. And as part of his punishment on himself, he's going to take part in the, in the Christian mission uh, up above the rainfalls in, in, the, in the Amazon River. And the, and the Indians there who live in a, in a jungle high above the Amazon. Uh, and so his name is Rodrigo, and he's accompanied by the priest from the mission. And he's making his way to the mission site at the top of the falls. But reaching this mission requires quite a dangerous climb through the waterfalls. Uh, and so here we go, Rodrigo, he's deeply remorseful of all the things that he's done. And part of him, he, he wants to do penance. And so he's got all of his paraphernalia, all of his swords, and all of his past in this huge net that you'll see. And he wants to carry that because he, he thinks that that's part of his, his journey of shame. Even though he's been forgiven by God already, and he wants to do this as a, an act of forgiveness, a penance, because he can't forgive himself. And so we're going to watch the film now. Um, off we go. journeys are explorers, what are you dragging uh, along? And so the burden that he carries or, or his sin, what happens is it's literally cut away by someone who's innocent, by one of the innocent Indians. Um, and it's not the climb that frees him, it's not the carrying that burden that frees him, it's being, it's the freedom by someone that cuts, it's an innocent one that cuts the burden from him. He's freed by someone else who has no guilt. And, um, and so what happens is there's this relief and this joy that, that happens to Rodrigo. So he's been forgiven, he's been freed, and he's been launched into a new way of life. Um, let me just, we're coming to land now. But God is never honoured when we deny what Jesus did for us. I remember a few years ago, I, I went for some counselling prayer, and someone said to, someone said to me, do you not know the power of the cross? Do you know what? 
do you not realise what God's done for you? And uh, I didn't. I didn't really realise the power in the cross. And and God is really, really not honoured when we when we carry that shame with us. He's, he's done that already. Um, I don't, as a parent, I don't delight when I see my kids suffering. And God doesn't delight when he sees you carrying the things that you're not meant to, to carry. This may come as a shock to some of you, but when Jesus brought you, he also brought you problem. Again, when he's, up, when he's in heaven now and he sees the problem, he doesn't turn to God the Father and says, what, uh, what, what, What's going on? What? I, no one told me about him. No one told me about the problem that she has, has had all over. What, why hasn't this come as a shock to me? I've, I've brought her already, but I didn't realise she was going to do that. But he knows it. He brought your problem. When he held you in his hands, before he placed you in his room, he knew. He knew everything about you. And he not only brought your sin, but he brought you. He brought your problem as well. And he wants to take away that problem. Um... And I want to say it's also difficult. One of the things I've noticed, it's difficult for you to demonstrate the kingdom of God here on earth if, you, if you're carrying around that stuff or if we don't see ourselves as truly forgiven or if we hang on to this false view of our identity. And effectively, that cancels out any potential in ministry. And so this whole idea of identity, we need to, I'm not going to say nail, but we need to, need to sort of realise and understand um, some people and some of us have reduced each day to survival how can I survive today rather than what will God do through me today um, just turn to your neighbour just, just bear with me turn to your neighbour and, and say to them friend you're truly forgiven and, and tell each other and nothing can change that I don't need to say this to your friend, but when, when, you, when you or you or the enemy um, brings up the things from the past or the stuff that you've done in the past, according to God, it's something that doesn't exist. It's something that doesn't exist. I want to propose it's completely legal, legal for you to think that you didn't do that. According to God, the things in the past, it's completely legal, legal for you to think, I didn't do that. I don't know whether you realise that. The person that did that is dead. It's in the past. It's almost like when the way God sees you, that person, you, never did that. According, according to what Jesus has done on the cross. Otherwise, otherwise, the blood of Jesus is completely ineffective. We either believe that what Jesus did on the cross was truly, completely effective, or it's like a, a squash. It's a diluted version. Um, it's either got the power to transform or it hasn't. Uh, in Romans 8, I think we've got some verses here. Romans 8, verse uh, 38 and 39, 39, it says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life 
nor angels and demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So there's no power, no circumstance, no person, no demonic reality, no strategy of the, de of the devil, nothing in existence right now in heaven and earth can separate you from the love of God. And so can you see in these verses, it talks about um, the present and the future. And I ask myself, why doesn't Paul mention the past? Because I think the past can separate us from the love of God. I think dwelling on our past can separate us from the love of God. Or separate us from the awareness of the love of God. So my prayer is to let the love of God become your present identity. Thinking of ourselves as rotten sinners, full of shame, always and always recalling the things that we've done wrong, or the shame that we feel, robs us of our God-given identity and keeps us stepping into the... Our prayer is that we'd all step into the supernatural normal way of life. And uh, we, we get our identity and then we move into the supernatural way of life. Uh, I heard a story about a European family who wanted to move back to the United States. So they worked hard and saved enough money to take a ship across to the Atlantic. Across the Atlantic. So they saved as much as they could. And they also brought some cheese and crackers for their, for their food for the journey. Because uh, they thought that's all they could eat on the way. They boarded the ship and the days and weeks went past. And the family huddled in their cabin just eating their cheese and crackers. They're sort of meagre provisions. All the while listening to the footsteps uh, in the pathway of people going to, going to the feast, going to, for the dinner each, each night, into the banquet room. On the last night, on the, on the long sea journey, the captain announced that they would be landing to shore the next day. So the, the father decided to celebrate, and he thought by taking his family to the banquet room, where everyone else on the ship had been eating in the three weeks previously. He approached, the father approached the captain and he said, how much, how much does the meal cost? How much does the meal cost? And the captain looked at him in surprise and said, do you mean you haven't been here, eating here the last three weeks? These meals were included in the price. And I strongly believe that many Christians, from what I've seen in my own life, were eating cheese and crackers instead of feasting in the banquet room. And again, I'm not talking about financial wealth. I'm not talking about a financial blessing, even though that's included. But I'm talking about salvation and the forgiveness that only God offers in Jesus. My prayer is, come and dump your past at the foot of the cross. Come and dump that once and for all. And my hope is, within a click of a finger in five minutes, that you'll be free, that you'll be free once and, once and for all. So I'm going to pray now, and um, we're just going to let go. We're going to let go of some of that thing. So why don't we close our eyes?
some of us would never realise we can be free once and for all. And Jesus, I, I pray you would cut that rope of shame that's holding on to the things in my past. Once and for all, you cut the rope of shame so that we can be free. Take us on a journey of forgiving ourselves and letting go of our past. In Jesus' name. Keep your eyes closed. If, if you've never experienced what that's like, you've never experienced being forgiven by God, or you've never, you've heard me say about being a follower of Jesus, you, you want to, today to be free, to be forgiven of all the things that you've done in the past, Just, and you want to enter this new journey, this new life of Jesus, we do, or you want to recommit yourself to entering this new life of Jesus, do me a favour, would you just put your hand and let me know that you would like to start again. Come down as Josh leads us in our first song. Come down and we'll get some of the some of the people here to come and pray for you, pray with you. Um, they haven't got a knife, but they'll help you cut away some of the some of the stuff away. So why don't we stand and uh, begin worshiping?